Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. Did I sound slightly unsure of myself as I was saying that? No, I felt, you sound fine. Don't I felt worry. like I was hesitating. Um, this is episode 159 now, and this is a podcast for anybody who's tuning in for the first time all about local news. We look at weird, funny, strange, bizarre, sinister local news stories that have happened in me and Rob's local respective areas. Uh, but also, more broadly, and we get listener stories submitted contribution every week. Only We can only read one out when you have the time to read one out. We've got a group of loyal listeners and we've got new listeners emailing us in stories all the time, Rob. And there's going to be a listener story this week. And if you want to submit us a story, I'm going to say it right at the top of this podcast, then you can submit it at lapodcast.net at gmail.com or via our Facebook page, which I'll detail at the end, or via our Twitter account. And Rob, I should say, before we begin, first of all, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Can't, can't uh, complain. But the other thing I wanted to say was that I I spent some time this week, as you know, looking at um, our feed and how it links into our iTunes yes. page. And nobody else needs to know anything, but only to say that now we do come up. If you, by the way, now Rob, this is happening. If you search for LA Podcast, you will get us now immediately. Fantastic. If you search for local news, we are the second hit. Oh wow! For some reason, we don't come up with funny news. I'm not sure why. I haven't cracked that nut yet. Okay. If you search for Alex and Rob, we will come up straight away. Or if you search, you don't have to put in local anaesthetic anymore. Just put in LA Podcast, all one word, LA Podcast. And by the way, the easiest thing to do, of course, is once you've found it, it's just to subscribe. Because yeah. once you subscribe, you'll get those episodes immediately. But the other important news, Rob, is, before you say anything, is that in the past, if you wanted to download our back catalogue from iTunes, it would only show 100 episodes maximum. We're on episode 159 now, so what about those great 59 episodes, Rob, that already happened? Well, you'll be pleased to hear you can now download every episode from episode one, which was called The Mayor and the Trawlerman. I'm going to also say that to all the listeners out there, why, it, this yeah. is the perfect. Yeah, is yeah. This is the perfect opportunity now to think of a friend. Hopefully, you have a friend, and uh, why not mention the podcast to them and say, "Look, this is a fantastic podcast. They've got a load of back catalogue for you to work your way through. Recommend it to a friend. Tell them how much you enjoy it, and hopefully, that's a new listener. And if everyone does that. And even better, can I say that bearing in mind that Rob and I do provide this wonderful service, informative service indeed, for free, every week, diligently, we do have a donate page on our uh, website, lapodcast.net, where you can donate towards our cause if you so wish. But if you don't feel like donating money, could you just donate a little bit of your time and on iTunes, leave us a review, because that would be really appreciated. Anybody who's a long-time listener, or even a new listener who's, a, who's enjoyed it, just leave us a review and subscribe, because every time you do that, it helps us out on iTunes. Not monetarily, but in terms of getting us noticed. Yeah, Thank fantastic. you. And also just one I feel like thing. I would like to make that pitch every week, but it'd be I very tedious. No, I think it's fair. I mean, we, we do this for free. We're, we operate we operate at uh, quite a substantial loss, uh, but we do... I mean, we, this is a labour of love, nothing else. Um, also, just to say that... Thank you to the listeners. We actually have quite a, a backlog of, of listener stories. I mean, I'm getting through them. Kaiba, I would like to say, I know you post on the Facebook page, and I'll be honest, I kind of miss them, so I apologise, but they will hopefully be featuring you in the You often seem to miss them when they're on the Facebook page, Rob. You need to be diligent. It's because they're not posted in an obvious way. I'd right. expect it to be on the main page. They're kind of hidden off to one side. Right, so okay. I apologise, Kaiba. Right, Rob, should we get on with it? Yeah, you've got absolutely. a lot to do this week, Rob, and I'm just going to give us a... The, the, I haven't even got the full story here because it didn't say, but you don't need it. And it was my father that sent me this, which is, uh, it's by Joseph Curtis. It's actually the Daily Mail, of all things, I apologise. Oh. 24th of November, but I, you're, all you're getting is a headline in the picture. Okay, okay. Your Christmas lights are really pants. 
town mocked because its festive decorations look like a washing line of undercrackers. <laughs> and I don't... Brilliant. Can you explain what you think this was meant to be? Because to me, it looks like three pairs of pants hanging on a clothesline. I mean, I can't understand what else it was meant to be. Yeah, that's a puzzler. What is that? It's like three pairs of briefs. What were they it? trying to go for there? Possibly the... Bo- no, it's not even a... It could be the bottom end of a Christmas tree, potentially, but then where's oh, the top? Oh, yeah, they are. That Well done, Rob. That's what they are. But where's the top? Why would you just have the bottom? Why, like, the stalk of it? Yeah, I don't know, Rob. So like there's pair, that. It's like a pair of underpants with some festive testicles. And the only reason I mentioned that, Rob, is because obviously a couple of weeks ago we had that uh, Christmas decoration that like a cock and balls. Yes, of course. It was, in fact, a candle and holly leaves with uh, sprigs of berries supposedly so (laughs) but Rob this is uh, just my main story to open with and I have to declare an interest here Um, this is from the Bournemouth Echo any new time listeners the reason I I live in South East London the reason I do report stories from the Bournemouth Echo is that was where my parents live now they did live in London but they've retired and they live down in Dorset and Bournemouth Echo is the local paper covering their area and I found this story um, from Kate Wilson 24th November and the headline is you're not going to like this, Rob. Okay. This year's most expensive beach hut on sale for... I'm going to star out the figure. Oh, but there's gosh. a waiting list, 100 people long, says a state agent. Would you like to guess how much this beach hut costs? In fact, shall I show you a picture of it first? Yeah, it's your own picture. Okay, this is a picture of the beach hut. Unfortunately, it's obscure. Is this in Christchurch again? Yeah, it's actually on Mudderford, which is where oh, my okay. parents so live. It's that one there, right? Okay, now I... Oh, there's a place called Hengesbury Head, which is across the way from Mudderford. You have to get a ferry over there, and that's where all the really expensive beach huts are. They're big. So I don't understand that this is costing this, but I, I said, Rob, I have to declare an interest. Okay. My parents have a beach hut on Mudderford and have done since they moved down there because my grandmother had one. Okay. So they have it. Their beach hut, I don't know how much it's worth, but isn't worth a tenth of what this one is worth. Right. I want you to guess how much this beach hut costs. Or... I'm guessing... You haven't described it for the listeners. It's about the size of a shed, right? Well, it's just a blue shed with some garden furniture. People love it down. People love their no, sheds down there. Yeah, I don't get the beach hut thing. My parents love their beach hut. You sit it. there in the beach and you can have make yourself tickets. There's no... no. Okay, let me give you some particulars about it before you okay, guess. Okay, yeah, go on. Go on. Uh, it has 138 square foot of accommodation. Comes with spectacular sea views in an enviable position on the road. Of course, it comes with spectacular sea views. There's a beach hut. Some of them are obscured, actually, Rob. Oh, okay. The simple timber cabin has a fitted kitchen, although no running water. They have no electricity. Oh, no, it does. It has a supply of electricity via solar panels on the roof. That's highly unusual. It can sleep up to six adults. Well, I must say that was very cramped. There is no bathroom or washing facilities. Instead, the new owners will have to share a communal shower and toilet block. Because of its remote location, the property can only be reached by a long walk, short ferry journey, or a ride on Novelty Land Train. Oh, so it is. It's in Hengesbury Head. It's the bit you have to get the ferry over to. Right. Right, so we're talking a few, uh, we're talking at least over the 100 grand mark. Come on, Rob. Take a guess. You've got three guesses. I'm going to say... And I'm not going to tell you higher or lower. £250,000. You've read this story, you fuckwit. No, I haven't. Where did you get £250,000 from? That's exactly it on the mail. Yes, you serious? That's brilliant. Rob, is there any cheating going on? Come no, on, no, bear, Alex. Rob, be a good person. I, will, I, I swear on my life, that was a, a pure Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds for this beach hut. I mean, that's you insane. win it by the way. Now it's yours. <laughs> Hooray! It's worth more than anything I own. The same price as a six-bedroom family home in some parts of Britain, and it, there, but and there's a queue of people wanting just to. Can view I just it. point out that you can buy a house in Stoke-on-Trent, a three-bedroom house for ninety grand, and you can buy a fucking shed for two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. That is insane. 
Comments. I'm not going to read out the whole story because it's too repulsive. <laughs> Top Gear says, I want off this planet. Right. Red Flag Flying says, Total Madness, bring on global warming and sea level rises and see if they float for their £250,000. Fair point. Comment of the week, maybe. Cromwell 9 says, the world has finally gone mad. Diver Steve says, utterly ridiculous. This epitomises everything that is wrong with the world and the current distribution of wealth or lack of it. Very sad. And my favourite comment here, um, I would say, uh, no, actually, I'll get to that in a second. The comments do descend into some rather petty squabbling when Big right. Tone says, I suspect the new owner will have something hanging out of their forehead, which I assume is a reference to being a dickhead. I assume so, yeah. And Pete's cat says, do you mean like what you got? Same as you, but bigger. So kind of squabbling. Uh, <laughs> this is petty. So my favourite favorite comment, Robin, I think comment of the week or comment of the month or comment of all time is Trolley simply says, in other news, the terminally stupid vote Conservatives. <laughs> I should comment, Rob, just about the last story, that not only do my parents have a beach hut down on the beach, but my mum also invested in what I call a summer shed, which is what's meant to be like a little summer house at the bottom of the garden, which is ostensibly a ra- a ra- an obviously very nice-looking shed where the door's open you sit in it at the bottom of your garden. See, some... some this uh, is what retirement does to you, Rob. But I, somehow, and inheriting money from your dead parents. Yeah, yeah. Somehow I feel I would be more inclined towards the, the summer house as opposed to the beach hut. I don't know why. Maybe well, it's, it's perfectly sensible why they have it because if my parents are spending all day down on the beach it makes sense to have that as your little base I mean, sometimes you just need a wank shed right it's <laughs> um, funny we should mention there's, there's two things that have already resonated for me uh, one is the fact we mentioned the back catalogue which is um, why I'm sort of mention- I'll, I'll come to why I'm mentioning that and also we're going to stick with underwear because if you remember on our second ever episode of LA Podcast can you remember what it was called? Second ever episode. Second ever episode. I don't. The first was the mayor and a trawlerman. The I'm, second one was about a parrot, wasn't it? No, that was that was that was one of the stories in the very first episode. The second episode was Brass to Africa. No, that's the third episode. Is it? Yes. Oh shit. And that episode number three is Brass to Africa. I'm always convinced of that. You're probably right. I was because I was I was down myself. Anyway, it was one of the very first. I episodes. must know. Oh god. Okay. Wait. No, because now Rob, wait, and all the listeners. I go to iTunes, I go to search, watch. Yeah, come on. Search. LA Podcast. It's not going to work now, is it? <laughs> no, it does. It comes up, the most trusted name in local news. I'm going to click on it. I'm going to go to the episodes. All the way down to the bottom. Yes! Episode two, of course it was. It one of our best ever episode titles. Self-entangled breath organ. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. And, and episode three was Brass to Africa. Then it was Howling for Ziggy, From the Valley to the Abyss, The Missing Roundabout, Pigeon Fetus, Downstairs Toilet Bust Up, Beach Needle, Who Shot Willie's Window, Jerk Chicken Panda Alex, Onion, Alex, Alex, Plastic Garden Alex, Foliage Balls, That's a lot of episodes Dead Pregnant, Shane anyway, Pony, right, Chunky Sweater Sandal Wearing please. Tree Hugger. So my story is from the Swindon Advertiser, and it relates back to episode <laughs> three, as it turns out. And the headline... Giant knitted... Rob, you've already had a follow-up on Brass to Africa about episode 63, yeah, we okay. got, didn't we? This is a story that won't die. All right, this is the third. Yeah. Right, anyway, headline. Giant knitted bra racks up huge bids on eBay. Do you know what I did read today, Rob? That they found some guy who'd been harvesting illegally, as I, as I must say, um, brain tissue which he'd been taking from people's brains when he works in a hospital and he was selling them on eBay in about 2006 or maybe not even that long ago. How did that pass the eBay rules? How did eBay not notice that somebody was selling brain? I don't think... Yeah, I was just, just wanting to say... Well, so who's buying that? Huh? Maybe cannibal, I suppose. 
Well, I got some there. Me. Right. But apparently, I've got to give it back. What are you doing with that? Huh? What are you planning to do with that? Make an omelette. It's a delicacy, Rob. Fair enough. Um, the story is by uh, Eva Buckland, and it was published, oh, going back a bit, 20th of October. A giant knitted bra crafted in aid of breast cancer charity has racked up huge, bid, huge big bids on eBay. The crochet brassiere, which measures a hefty 620 centimetres wide and 200 centimetres tall, was the work of the, the town knitting group... Sorry, St- can I just say, that, that is really mixed up writing there, which measures a hefty. Hefty refers to weight. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to be fair, I probably would wear a lot, though. Yeah, but it didn't mention that. It's poor journalism. No. Um, was the work of the town knitting group Stitch and Bitch, who wanted to raise awareness of charity... Uh, right, so they sit around stitching and they gossip. I assume so, yeah. yeah. Uh, against breast cancer. Stitch and Bitch decided... Uh, Sorry, decided to list the bra on the popular selling uh, website eBay and bids were £550 this afternoon. Can I see it? If you want, yeah. Well, uh, why wouldn't I want to see it? There you go. Where's the knitted bra? They're all knitted bras, are they? No, the one in the middle. The big one, the big crocheted one. Uh, right, it looks like a large... I mean, it's like pink, a blanket. looks like a large pink sack, yeah. But also, I mean, what did you expect to look like? Well, a bra... Yeah, well, maybe it does one there. Maybe are just not holding up enough. Tracy Major from Stitch and Bitch said, We are so excited and thrilled to have received so many generous bids. The Woolly Mammoth Bra, which originally meant to be a charity event centrepiece, is currently on display in the Brunei Shopping Centre until the end of October. After more, more than four months in the making from the 12 members of the group, the 480 pink knitted squares were stitched together, and the final piece, which weighs in more than four and a half kilograms, was lifted into position. Tracy said the team was overwhelmed by the support for the bra. We don't want to let it go for a small amount. It's for charity after all. So the starting bid was £250. They're wasting their time. <laughs> you seem utterly demoralised by that story. Well, because I'm sure the amount of hours that were put into it, they could have earned that amount and sent it to charity. I mean, I just, you know, sometimes it's, you know. I mean, it's like that day to day thing where he makes the woman cry. Chris Morris is, is the interviewer. You know, the fake news programme that was on BBC Two that was utterly brilliant. And there's that woman who's been selling homemade jam for charity. Oh, yeah. and, he, and, he's, and he's really into that conversation. He says, how much did you make? How much did you make? It says 90, 90 pounds, I think it was. Or even maybe less than that. Mm. And he says, 90 pounds? And she says, yes. And he said, so it says for whatever it was, three days' work. That's utterly pathetic. <laughs> and she begins crying. And he tells her she should be a... Sh- and then he, she begins crying and then... It, in a brilliant pastiche of what goes on in, in modern news, he then says, I understand this must be very upsetting. Also, <laughs> <laughs> we have to do a question. Who, who's buying this? And, and uh, the answer... A very large woman. Potentially, or, and I think more realistically... A pervert. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately so. Right, Rob. We now turn our attention to General Anaesthetic. General Anaesthetic is our segment of the week where I look at a general news story. General Anaesthetic as opposed to local anaesthetic. Get it? It's a really good play on words. I'm really proud of it. But we look at general news stories in the week that have made the national press and we we take a look at them. Last week we had a pretty lengthy conversation, Rob, didn't we? But let's start off, Rob. So I've got a few topics I want to cover here. Okay. We're going to go from... Start off briefly with uh, Labour... Oh, God, okay. Then we're going to go to Zimbabwe, and then we're going to go to the movies. Right. Oh, okay. Well, That's I, where we are this week. I can so end nicely. I, this was from, I just want to talk about Labour briefly. I'm not going to talk about the autumn statement, the budget autumn statement, anything like that. Just talk about a story from the 22nd of November, 
um, in The Guardian by, apparently by three authors. Really? Uh, Toby oh. Helm, Daniel Bofi, and Henry Zeffman. Okay. Uh, Labour rift widens over intervention in Syria. And the reason I wanted to read it out is I wanted just to read out just a very few brief paragraphs about it, see what you thought. And then I, there was a comment on this story, which was, I think, one of the best comments I've ever read. Okay. Um, which I took a picture of to read out to you. And... Well, I wanted to read out about that story because you know what's happening. And I think, in fact, today, the day we record, David Cameron went to the Commons and outlined his case for... Basically why he should be bombing Syria. Yeah. Yeah. So this story says, The Labour leader, a long-term opponent of Western military interventions, appears increasingly at odds with senior figures in the party, including Shadow Foreign Secretary Hillary Benn, Deputy Leader Tom Watson, both see a unanimous vote by the United Nations on Friday night, calling on all member states to take all necessary measures, in quotes, against ISIS, as giving potential legal cover for airstrikes in Syria, if they are part of a comprehensive plan to bring peace to the region. However... In a speech to Labour activists in the South West, Corbyn, although he welcomed the UN vote, struck a different note. While saying he would examine any proposals brought forward by David Cameron, he added, in quotes, in our view, the dreadful attacks make the case in Paris make, for, make the case for a far more urgent international effort to reach a negotiated settlement of the Syrian civil war and end the threat from ISIS. While he said absolutely nothing could justify the targeting of civilians by anyone, anywhere, Corbyn added, the experience of Afghanistan, Iraq and Libya has convinced many of our own people that the elite's enthusiasm for endless military interventions has only multiplied the threats to us while leaving death and destabilisation in their wake. It is a conflict in Syria and the consequences of the Iraq war which have created the conditions for ISIS to thrive and spread its murderous rule. Now, I completely agree with that statement, but I'm aware that it has become increasingly controversial to even say it. But I felt he put. But I did like, I did like his mention of of the fact that the pe- that generally people are becoming aware of the elite's enthusiasms for endless military interventions. Mm. Did I you liked know? it as an episode title, the elite's <laughs> enthusiasm for endless military interventions. I would really like to petition. Okay, for that that's fine. I'm happy with that. Can I just put out that Dennis Skinner stood up in Parliament today and then gave his two pence uh, directly to David Cameron in, in, oh, in I've relation got to watch that. It's it's worth watching. But also, I completely agree. But like I said, to, to, to actually express that viewpoint... It's is, now becoming heretic. Yeah. And it's like we've learned nothing about Iraq. It's all about an exit strategy. You cannot go in there and bomb the shit out of it and then try and steal all their natural resources and then think the, the country will in some way stabilise itself. It doesn't work like that. In the comments section, Rob, a person asked this question. Very inflammatory question. They said, why do Islamist groups in particular seem so much more sadistic even evil. And there was an amazing response to this comment, Rob, which is one of the best comments I've ever read. Okay. It's quite deep. You have to probably listen to it a couple of times. It's by a person called Great Appa Descendant, Great Ape Descendant. Okay. And he said this, Although they kill, maim, orphan, widow, disrupt, displace and destroy far fewer people than some of the celebrated Bible-thumping exporters of democracy, we see the results of Islamic group savagery, not just in numbers and statistics, but in names and faces, in televised close-ups and on our own doorstep. In short, these these reprobate rogues and scoundrels simply lack the necessary education, as well as the taxpayer-supplied means, to conduct the noble art of warfare and human slaughter, in correct conformity with the Marquess of Queensbury rules. Brilliant. I mean, what an amazing, fucking amazing comment that is. So, so something like Frankie Borwood, right, isn't it? Because, yeah, go on. He's basically just boiling down to the fact that the way in which they fight wars isn't quite as eloquent as the way we, we fight wars. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we look at what ISIS are doing and we say, oh my God, how barbaric it is, 
when we look at it and we say and we are appalled by the beheadings you know i saw people on question time you know from the tories saying these are a, we've never faced anything like this you know people will behead other people and thankfully one of the other question time panelists i think it was mendy hassan pointed out saudi arabia behead people and we're their biggest supporters yeah um and, and but there is a huge denial rob and displacement in our collective psyche about the atrocities that we have committed. I would like to point out to any listeners, again, that there was a point in time when the British Empire ruled, I think it's something like 85% of the globe. No, it's not that much. It was a quarter of the globe. Hence the phrase, the sun never sets on the British Empire. Or, uh, well, I did read that recently, that it was oh, really? 85% we had influence over. That seems like an awful lot. Okay, but whichever way it was, we didn't do that through doing nice things. No, we didn't go over there and offer them a cup of tea. We did horrendous things that we don't appear to be able to acknowledge as a country that we did and we want to wash our hands off. And if anybody wants to, is a Stanley Kubrick film, wants to watch The Shining from a different angle, try watching The Shining as an allegory about all the, uh, the Overlook Hotel as a representation of America itself and all the atrocities that have been committed over the years and what is repressed therein coming out in live form. And it's a very good way of watching The Shining, particularly the idea of the, of the massacre of the Native American Indians mm. and the stealing of their land. But the point is, what a brilliant fucking comment. I also, can I just point out as well, is that I, it, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but I remember watching a Eddie Izzard routine and he was talking about how the First World War started. And then for, for those who don't know, obviously a lot of people attribute to the, the shooting of the, Duke, the Archduke of Austro-Hungary. Mm. And the hypocrisy that Germany were trying to expand their empire and then we decided to wade in with an empire that was, like I said, it was a quarter of the globe at the time. Yeah. And, and because it just seems that the threat they were posing was not really a threat to the world, but a threat to our empire, really, when it comes down to it, and what we represent. I do sometimes wonder if you and me need to be careful, because no doubt... Um, GCHQ are listening. <laughs> Rob, can I? Can oh, I, good. I hope they send us a story. Can I ask you? Yeah, yeah got a lot. GCHQ, <laughs> we've got one. Can I have um, human slaughter and correct conformity with the Marquess of Queensbury rules? Yeah, that, that is just a beautifully constructed sentence. Now let's move to another hypocrite, tyrannical bastard, Robert Mugabe. I read this story. Is this his appearance at the the UN? No, no. Okay, it is from twenty second November. It is uh, by the Associated Press in Harare. And the headline is Robert Mugabe to rule Zimbabwe from special wheelchair, says wife. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> is he just turning to Blofeld? Yeah, Zimbabwe's first lady says she plans to get a special wheelchair for a 91-year-old husband. Didn't know he was that old. Mugabe's 90? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, is he? looks good for it. Oh, so wow. he can continue to continue his rule. Speaking at a political rally on Saturday, Grace Mugabe told supporters that she would get a wheelchair for her husband, President Robert, Robert Mugabe, to use. In a televised speech, Mugabe, 50, vowed to push the wheelchair herself, taking a swipe at critics who say her husband is too old to go. Sorry. She's 50. Yep. And he's 91. Yep. Okay. Mugabe told supporters she would ensure her husband remains in power as long as he can still speak. It'd be like Davros. Sorry. Zimbabwe's <laughs> <laughs> president critics. It's inappropriate and I apologise. The Zimbabwean president's <laughs> critics have questioned his ability to rule after he read the wrong speech in Parliament. So I had to look this up. And here we go. Here is a story from the 15th of September in the year. Calls for Robert Mugabe to quit after he reads wrong speech at Parliament. This is a brilliant story, Rob. Right. Robert Mugabe, Zimbabwe's 91-year-old president, has read out the wrong speech at the opening of Parliament, an era the main opposition used to question whether Africa's oldest leader was still of a sound mind. Mugabe, the only ruler the Southern African state has known since it was recognised in 1980, delivered the same speech he gave on the 25th of August, pinning his hopes on China to help revive Zimbabwe's struggling economy. Brilliant. So he's meant to give a speech about the opening of Parliament. He starts waffling on about China. 
He finished the speech without interruption. Okay. And it was a long speech, and his spokesman blamed officials, adding that the president would read the correct speech at a later date. Can I just point out, I'm, I'm pretty sure those who, do, who tend to speak out against Mugabe don't really tend to see a lot more days of their life left. Exactly. The mix-up, is the quote, happened in his secretarial office, therefore the delivery impairment should be set aside. Spokesman George Chiramba was quoted by saying by the online edition of the government-owned Herald newspaper. But the main opposition movement for democratic change, MDC, which is critical of Mugabe's long rule, said the blunder calls and the question is fitness to hold office. This is a historic blunder. Anyone who has still of a sound mind would have quickly picked up that this speech was the wrong one. But it dovetails with what we in the MDC have been saying that Robert Mugabe is no longer fit for purpose. He should resign I'm, I'm slightly confused uh, now you know that there's a whole thing about him slaughtering his own you know well quite a lot of people actually um, are we okay with him now yeah there was a period of time where it really looked like we might do something about it but of course we've never invaded there we've never gone in and taken military action because there's no money to be gained from doing it oh yes that's it yeah. he doesn't have the oil Rob um, lastly Rob on a lighter note well a bit of course I had to bring up, Rob, with you. What did you think of the banning of the advert showing the Lord's Prayer from cinemas? <sighs> the argument of the advertiser, if anybody doesn't know, any international listeners, there was an advert that was going to be played in cinemas before The Force Awakens, the new Star Wars film when it comes out. And it was a sequence of people from different kind of backgrounds and everything reading out bits of the Lord's Prayer, funded by the Anglican Church, I believe. Yeah, that's right, yeah, it was. Uh, the advertising agencies who work with the cinemas have decided to ban the advert from being shown because they say they don't allow any kind of adverts that have any kind of political or religious persuasion. Presumably they're worried about opening the door to some Muslim group doing an advert or whatever. Yeah. But what was your view on it? I th- <laughs> It just felt a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, unless people have actually complained, don't anticipate the way that people are going to react. Mm-hmm. I haven't, to be honest, Alex, I haven't seen the advert, so I don't know what... This is very inoffensive. Is it? Sense. Okay. Yeah. But can I, you understand, they're saying, if we open the door to this, what's to stop a political party, conservative party, giving you an advert? I suppose that's true. Can I give you my take on this? Okay. Take my take on this. I was roused to anger, and to mention this on the podcast, when I watched on Sky them interviewing some people you know, coming out of a cinema about whether they would mind this. And the general tone of it was, you know, when you come to a movie, you just want to have fun. And one person said, people have come to a movie to have fun. It was a guy, not to have political or other views foisted upon them. What I wanted to pin him up against the wall violently and express to him was that he said, uh, when I come to a movie, I come to have fun, not to have a political or other views foisted upon me. Is anybody aware that when they go to the cinema and watch even 10 seconds of an advertisement or 10 seconds of a movie, they're having quite a large amount of quite interesting political and other views foisted upon them in the subtext of those films? <laughs> but do you understand my point? I don't want to make any... any well, I don't want to cast any aspersions on this, this particular individual, but it depends on what level who's reading. He seemed film. like an intelligent person, but I would like people to believe that when they're going to cinema, they're not just watching entertainment. These movies obviously do have ideas and certain political viewpoints being uh, that are in them that they are being exposed to constantly you've only got to switch on the tv and you'll be exposed to a certain political viewpoint i wish people would realize this most of our media is now owned by what if all our newspapers are owned by what is it four billionaires yeah yeah Yeah. right get with the fucking program (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah i can i can see your point of view thank you 
Okay, Rob, you've got another story for us there. Yeah, it's back uh, to local news. Now. A slightly uh, on a lighter tone because I feel that was that was slightly heavy. Uh, it's from the Coin Advertiser. Um, it's no journalist listed. Oh, this is sorry by Tom Matthews. His name is. Binman caught on camera appearing to urinate on the side of his own lorry by a disgusted resident. Right. I mean, I feel really bad now that we've obviously discussed Robert Mugabe. We've, we've talked about the collapse of the Labour Party. But the only way to help us cope, Rob, is this mindless drivel. So You're give right. it to me. Right. Hook it to my veins. What is it? A binman has been caught on camera appearing to urinate on the side of his truck during a morning bin collection in Thornton Heath. Well, if he needed to bath them, what else was he meant to do? Or maybe it was a protest against his employers. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But why standing extra truck and do it? Where else are you meant to do it? Well, because surely... Which way he did it in somebody's bin? Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, right. at least that's going to go in the back. Hopefully. Um, council collector... Uh, sorry. Cording council contractor Viola is investigating and has apologised for an unacceptable incident after a picture of the worker apparently caught him in the act and was posted on Twitter. The fed the fed who took the picture said she spotted the worker in his high vis jacket relieving himself on the side of the cab about seven fifteen a.m. I mean that's quite early. You don't want to. I mean that's if, if you open your curtains first thing you hear the bin men. You don't want to see a guy taking a piss next to his lorry. I don't know. I'd prefer that than an airstrike. Fair point. Uh, or drone attack, I suppose. Um, in the so yeah, in the Galpin Road area of Thorns and Heath. I witnessed them doing it. Oh, fuck, sorry. <coughs> I witnessed them doing it at least four times, said the woman. Sorry? <laughs> four times? So, so did he not go? Not properly? the same time, I'm guessing. Right, he, right, he went. I'm just wondering if he's, if, she's, if he's deliberately doing it on the spot. Well, I just think she's got a bit too much time on her hands to be getting up at that hour in the day and watching the bin there. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Maybe said she's the a pervert. <laughs> so I witnessed, I, wit- I can't say witnessed. I've witnessed them doing it at least four times, said the woman, who was asked not to be named. <laughs> Once three of them did in a row, including the driver. That sounds like they are doing it on purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds... Maybe because she's obviously taking pictures. It does sound targeted now, and I agree. They always do it against their truck. The guy came and emptied our recycling bins and just threw them on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> They're targeting you, love. They're doing it on yeah, purpose. This is a systematic campaign of intimidation, the likes of which the world has never seen. <laughs> I can barely pick, I can I can barely bring myself to pick up my bins afterwards. Another picture posted on Twitter shows I a bin. I'm really sorry for this lady now. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, is she old? It doesn't say, Alex. Right. I said she's she's asked. Well, can I ask you a question that we've never um, asked before? I don't think in all the time we've been doing this podcast. Do you think some of these stories are just made up? They need a oh, story. Undoubtedly. They need a story, so they just say, "Yeah, some guys are urinating on the side of bin." On there's a woman who doesn't want to be named. I mean. We don't know where it is. We don't know the name of the woman. We don't know where she lives. She lives yeah. in Thornton Heath. Yeah, but... That's Thornton all we Heath. know about her. Thornton Heath. Oh, this happened in Thornton Heath. Yeah. This is quite believable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, that is dignified behaviour in Thornton Heath. Yeah, that's fair. If somebody's point. not taking a piss through your letterbox... Can't Just be grateful. Yeah. yeah. Another picture posted on Twitter showed the bin man ready to oh, swing from a bottle... Oh, there's the proof then. Yeah. <laughs> ready to swing from a bottle of Coca-Cola minutes later... While a third... Sh- <laughs> well, could you not have stopped me in my tracks on my long ramble early and told me that we had picture proof of this? Oh, sorry, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks for that. Uh, while a third showed a puddle of liquid on the spot after the bin lorry had left. 
Uh, after the picture was brought to the attention of the council's at your Croydon Twitter page, it was it said, we're so sorry about this, and this investigation will take place with Viola after it was brought to our attention. A spokesman for Viola and Croydon said, we appreciate the So again, the- it's their detective, is it? It's the local authority detective. What was he looking at? Um, why a dildo was shoved, was, <laughs> why was rammed into a chocolate cake at a bake sale last week. That is a real story, everybody. And this week he's investigating... Bin men pissing on the side of a... He's got a great job. In fact, actually, it does sound quite fun. Yeah. I'd really throw my weight around, is that detective? <laughs> <laughs> to think? Yeah. To go down to the council depot and start... Would you start Laying doing? down the law. Yeah, or investigating piss, apparently. Um, yeah, I'd like to apologise for this completely unacceptable incident. We're currently investigating the matters or identify and take action with the individual concerned. Nothing's going So, happen. yeah, here we go. Here we go. There's a, Apparently, it's a gallery, but I've, I've only just captured one... Uh, picture, but I think it's quite obvious what he's doing. Yeah, that's a bin man take. Yeah, thanks for stopping me earlier, Rob. When I said, "How do we know this story isn't made up?" I mean, but it could still be made up. We don't know that she hasn't. I don't know. Hired a bin lorry and then asked no, I, this I actor th- to. I think that's far fetched. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Now, it's time for our listener story of the week, and Rob has asked me for unknown reasons to play the Bill theme tune. We're getting every theme tune here from 1983 onwards, Rob. I don't really think there'd be that many, surely. I thought it was the same yeah. thing. I don't know why you've asked me to play the Bill. This was from the pilot episode, apparently. Do you remember this? This isn't any Bill. Sounds like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> this isn't the Bill that I remember, is it? Do you actually just want the bill? Should we get no, rid of no, this? No, 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 I mean, I'm curious now. Where's this going? It's depressing, Rob. It is quite depressing. It doesn't really sound like an upbeat cop show. It sounds like heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we skip it along a bit? Uh, let's just hear the proper theme tune. Okay. This, is, this is it. Here we go. God, this is tedious, Rob. <laughs> Well, this is it, apparently. Just just silence. Here we go. I don't remember it, though. Oh, yeah. There we are. That's fair. Well, this week... It's surprisingly funky. It's when the, it's when the melody comes in. Dun, ding, ding. See? It's a good thing, too. Sounds like a Cure track. <laughs> it does, actually. It's disintegration. Right, yeah. <laughs> it does. Well, the reason I've asked for this story, uh, sorry, this theme tune, I should say, this is genius. <laughs> it's been this week. This story has been sent in by Shay. It's from the Bristol Post. Shay from Bristol, of course. The story is by Esme Ashcroft, nice name. And it's like a, just gone like a. Was this a dance remix? <laughs> no, this is it. Is it? Nineteen eighties full length version. I'm kidding. That's Emmerdale. What are you talking about? No, 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 I'm, I'm kidding. There we go. Okay. Right, headline. Police did send a car and a van to an argument over well-done steak. <laughs> oh, God. Right. <laughs> right, what's this story then? Police did, in fact, send five officers, a car and a marked van to a village pub after a woman refused to pay for an overcooked steak has emerged this afternoon. What? <laughs> The force has previously suggested that only one car was mobilised the White Hart in Iron Acton. Don't know where Iron Acton is, but I want to move there. Iron Acton? Iron Acton. Right. 
uh, after customer Nicola Kendall complained her cook her meal was cooked well done instead of medium. The receptionist from Frampton Cottrell has told the, the second b- week in a row we've had Frampton mentioned. Oh yes, and Frampton is where we met. That's very true. The receptionist from Frampton Cottrell has told the Bristol Post that she had got into an argument with the landlady Joanna Keane, who then pressed a panic button under the bar, calling for police help. I really, Rob, I'm desperate <laughs> to know the details. <laughs> The customers claimed that a riot van was dispatched by the force in response, but then when the asked, customers, uh, yeah, the, no, the customer had claimed that a riot van was discussed. It was dispatched by the force in response when Avon and Somerset police had said that just one car attended the incident. So let's let's start piecing this together. Yeah, I don't know. I am completely lost at the moment with what's happening. Gonna right, go on. Tell okay. me. Right. A customer. The the, the theme song's going to start again in a second. That's fine. Customer goes to the landlord and said, "Look, I ordered." A what? What state was a it? A customer. A customer. It's a pub, Alex. Oh right, that kind of landlord. Yeah, right. Yeah. So she goes to the landlord to make a complaint, saying, "Look, I want this steak medium. It's well cooked." The landlady, for whatever reason, panics, press, presses a panic alarm underneath. Something's the- happened in between those two things. <laughs> quite obviously. Apparently so. But also, do pubs have panic alarms? That one does. It's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Maybe that's why. They probably got a panic room as well. So what happened was, okay, so she presses the panic button, police send out a riot van. <laughs> no, not only a riot van. That so. really escalated quite quickly, didn't so it? So five officers, <laughs> very, very quickly. Yeah. Second week in a week, second week in a row, I've quoted Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> so five officers, a car, and a marked van. Dogs? <laughs> no, it doesn't say the dog. No. I loved it. love it if it were. However, in a fuller statement this afternoon, Wendell explained that a van did attend along with a car and five officers. The full police statement released through Facebook says, At 9.35pm on Tuesday 12th of November, we received notification that a personal attack alarm had been pressed at the White Hart Inn. We called the keyhole of the pub who informed us the, customer were, the customers were acting aggressively. We responded to the incident proportionally based on the information we received. And so so the what was the information they received? That the customers were acting aggressively. So she came up and said, Oi, this fucking steak ain't cooked properly. Yeah. And that, we don't know though, do we? It doesn't give any more information, no. Like I said, there has been an escalation. Whether it was over a steak, we don't but know. a riot van? A riot van? A, a police car, a riot van. There was officers. no riot in the pub? No, it was an argument over some steak. Um... <laughs> Despite not knowing many of the, uh, how many customers were involved in the incident or what threat they posed, three officers and a marked response car were sent to the scene. They arrived and found a man active aggressively. After speaking to him, officers quickly established no criminal offences had been committed, so no further action was taken. Right. <laughs> so, but they said this was a proportionate response. You know, in the autumn statement, we were all worried that George Osborne was going to cut the budget of the police, which was his very clever political tactic that yeah. he could then say, oh, actually, I'm not. I look like a great guy. It's very clever, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to kill all the babies, Herod said. And then he said, oh, no, I'm not. And everyone went, oh, we love you, Herod. And he kept doing it every year until one day he did kill all the children. I've made that story up. <laughs> but nevertheless... <laughs> are you, sorry, are you implying that George Osborne's going to kill all the children? I think it could get to that, Rob. I think, yeah, possibly. Um, he's a deeply disturbed individual. But um, the this this proves that maybe the police could be more efficient in certain areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a result, when two officers in the, in the response van arrived, they remained outside just right. in case something sort of spilled out of the car park. Mm-hmm. The non-payment of the bill is a civil matter, not something which requires police involvement. Um, when asked why this information was withheld, a police spokesman said that the relevant information was not put on the log. Uh, 
it's not known how much it cost the force to send five officers, a car, and a riot van to a civil matter. Miss Keane told the Post previously that the diner had become aggressive and rude, and she was not able to control the situation without calling for help from the police. This That's is more it. like it. This is the 90s version. Oh, yeah. That's a lot better. Um, anyone comment? I'm going to read out. I thought the other one wasn't right. It's, it hasn't aged well, has it? <laughs> it's very much of the decade. This doesn't sound like... The other one sounded more contemporary almost. Yeah, it that's It sounded true. like a Cure track. Yeah. This... Oh, it's good though, Rob. Hang on, wait. Now, then what did it do? Oh, oh so well, that's... Oh, okay, there we go. Um, so one comment, I'm just going to read out. The Sage just put a follow-up story. Please stake out. Right, that's the comment, is it? Yeah. Police stakeout. That is, that's very good. I mean, he was really sort of... Not comment of the week, but he comes just under, Rob. Yeah, quite a way under, I'd say. Well, Rob, we are on... A bit of a short episode this week, listeners, (laughs) because uh, last week was incredibly long. Um, And as we uh, take ourselves away from uh, the police station that me and Rob went to to listen to the Bill theme tune, there we go, Rob. That quietly brings us... Sometimes I miss the campfire, Rob. Do you ever miss the campfire? Um, occasionally, on, on, when I'm having sort of, you know, one of my dark periods. Yeah, those homoerotic nights, Rob. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a good name for a book, that. What, those homoerotic nights? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good name for an album. Um, on that note, Rob, we bring this episode to a close. Episode 159 is is coming to an end, and we... And we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode as we move ever more forward, Rob, like uh, like a 91-year-old or probably 95-year-old Robert Mugabe being wheeled around by his wife in a wheelchair when he's able to do nothing else but speak and continue to um, terrorise his own people. Yeah. Sorry for that rather dark note. But just like that, <laughs> we move ever more forward to our next episode, which will be episode 160. And all that remains now then, Rob... All that remains, Rob, is for you to say goodbye to this episode. And I'd like you to... Pab been asking recently if you could keep it brief because he's got a cab waiting. So I'm gonna yeah, bring see him, ya. I'm going to bring him along yeah, now. bye. Hang on, here you are. Rob would like to say goodbye. I mean, don't start doing the hand gestures as if you're, you're inviting your imaginary friends to the table. That's even weirder. Bye, Rob. Yeah, bye, episode. Really nice to see you. You don't mean that. Yeah, I do. I like you, Rob. I think you're the tops. I quite enjoyed last week when I went to get my coat. I felt that ad- that added some depth to the podcast. Rob, next week I'm more gonna... so than this feature. Rob, next week I'm going to bring my uh, Bill box set and we'll watch it together. What do you think? Do you reckon there's a Bill box set? Some yeah, I've got it, Rob. I just said I had. What's wrong with you? And now I've got to go. You're, you're prolonging it. I've got oh, a yeah, cab in the car. Yeah, Bye. Heard that? <laughs> Good. And uh, there we are, Rob. As the episode gets in the cab and goes off, it just leaves me with enough time to say, Rob. Sometimes I wish we had a webcam so people could see your face. We but, could. Uh, can I just... Uh, actually, that's a very... We'd lose a lot point. of listeners. Just... <laughs> yeah, possibly. Not... not hey, what? <laughs> not as well as on my face. Um, possibly. But... Um, Spit it out. Sorry. I just the episode's waiting to leave, yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, yeah, what I was going to say is, there is a new social medium... Um, that I just want to periscope. ask about periscope. If periscope. See, are you surprised? Yeah, I am. I'm I aware am. of it. Good. Right, we don't need to mention anything else, do we? Yeah, just to say, if anyone does use periscope, I would like to see us doing any part of the podcast on periscope. Let us know, and we'll. Consider. I'm not comfortable with that. I've already told you, I don't want my face to be seen. You can have a plastic bag or something like that. I don't want to wear a plastic bag over my head, Rob. I don't want to live constantly with the daily fear of assassination. 
Right, listen, we are can be found on LAPodcast.net. That is our website. You can download a whole back catalogue from there or you can find it on iTunes. Please go there. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash LAPodcast. We're on Twitter at, at LAPodcast. Rob, do we have to keep mentioning Tumblr? I like Tumblr. There's a lot of shit on there. We're on Tumblr at tumblr.com forward slash LAPodcast. But who is visiting these multiple sites? Is there somebody out there that's got every site we've got bookmarked? I sincerely hope there is. And if you want to uh, send us an email, because you can submit a story to us that way as well, you can send it to lapodcast.net at gmail.com. Can you hurry up? I've got to go. I've got a pie in the oven. Right, Rob. The, you, I'm you, not clogging his Rob, you can made... fuck off whenever he wants. No, he can't leave till the episode finishes, obviously. He always goes before the episode finishes. No, he waits in the cab, Rob, because the episode isn't quite done. You're a complete arse. Are we paying for this cab, by the way? No, I don't think so. We need to find that out. I'm not paying right. for that bastard every week. I, th- I gave him your bank account details and he says... That, that, I thought, oh, I thought, that's what that transactions are. Yeah. God bless. And keep it local. Oh.